The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy Port LA Podcast, coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. I am your host, Macca19, and joining us, as always, is Fishing Rick. How are you, buddy? Woohoo! Macca! Mate! How's we finally got it done. What a cracker of a day! Great day. Wonderful day. Wonderful weekend, in fact. Beautiful weather each day. Can't get much better, mate. Oh, amazing weekend. Could have been much better, really. Crows losing, beautiful weather. I was able to wash all my clothes. Oh, that's, uh, that's a welcome change, isn't it? What else is there? You know, the only sour note was uh, another peanut Port Adelaide player getting into trouble. But Well, you know. What can you do? What can you do? That's right. What can you do? Um, well, look, let's talk on uh, some positive notes and discuss the grand final on the weekend. Obviously, uh, yeah. Richmond played the Adelaide Crows at the MCG in front of over 100,000 people. That's nuts. Amazing. Um, and the Tigers, amazingly, did the job by 48 points. Who was expecting that? Did I... I don't know if anyone saw it on the forum. Mm. I, um, a mate of mine, big Crows, well, Crows fan, he said, oh, come to this barbecue with me, Rick, because I wasn't going to do anything. I went, okay. So I went to all Crows barbecue, and they had a sweep, and so he bought me a sweep ticket, and then he thought I, he shafted me because I got Richmond... 40 to 49 points. Oh. And uh, giddy up. 220 bucks came my way. So 200 bucks. Rich, Richmond won, and I got to take Crow supporters' money. I mean, what's better than that? Fair enough. That's that's pretty good. We had uh, we had about 200 bucks on in our work syndicate and lost a lot. Because <laughs> pretty much all the bets were uh, Adelaide or Adelaide player-based. Uh, so that was unfortunate. Um, do, you remember our, do you remember our tips from last week? Uh, I know I tipped the Crows by about 65 points or something. Do you remember mine? No. Pretty sure I said Richmond by 47. Did you? Well, that's pretty close. That was pretty close. So, what's your feeling about this game, mate? Is it uh, it happiness? Is it relief? Is it couldn't give a shit? What is it? I don't really give a shit, but um, I'm a bit... Like I said on last week's show, I guess the, the only concern for me is um, how the AFL react and follow with this stuff. And, uh, you know, how's, how's our great game going to change next year? Are we just going to become teams of fast midfielders? And is it going to be the slow death of the, of the big man? Well, that, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's what this grand final was. It was pitting two teams against each other with completely different styles of play. Richmond... Very fast, lots of small players. The Crows with their four big key forwards, and I'll include Otten in that, even though he played terribly and McGovern was out. But you know, two con- very contrasting styles, and um, I-, I didn't expect Richmond to win at all. I thought they would crumble under the pressure um, in front of their home crowd, uh, and, and that, that weight of expectation of finally being in a grand final for the first time in 37 years. Um, but, you know, they just, uh, outside of the first sort of 15 minutes, they just dominated the play. To keep the Crows to just one goal through the second and third quarters was uh, was amazing. Yeah, huge. And, um, you know, a lot of these big-name Crows players, you probably got to say they choked under the pressure a bit. Well, they they did. They seemed to panic and like play on way too early. 
um, they that's the one thing I noticed. Um, and I know some people were complaining about the umpires, and I guess when you're a neutral observer... The umpiring um, had nothing to do with the result at all. No, well, I must admit, like I didn't see any really ridiculous bias free kicks. Even the Eddie Betts one they're banging on about. I mean, that was borderline, really. I mean, no, maybe was there was probably a slight there. hole. But, I mean, it doesn't it change ridiculous. the course of the game, does it? I mean, the main issue that Crows had was um, was ball retention. They just could not maintain possession yeah. of the ball. Even yeah, they panicked. more than two possessions, they were turning it over just about every single time. Um, I know Matt Crouch had like 39 disposals or something, but... Man, he's just like, what did he do? Not much. Brad Crouch was uh, probably a little bit better than Matt, I thought. Uh, guys like Douglas had bad games. Um, Rory Led had heaps of the ball and had zero influence on the result. Rory Sloan had a massive first half. And then when the heat came into the game, he crumbled once again for about the eighth time this year under pressure. Daniel mm. Talia was terrible. Taylor Walker did nothing. Josh Jenkins is an absolute joke of a footballer. Um, <laughs> that big call, Macca. Well, call. you know, if you're going to run your mouth and say to Paddy Dangerfield, oh, you know, you should have stayed, then you would have been a premiership player, make sure you win the fucking premiership, mate. You know? <laughs> Pretty simple. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He, uh, he got ahead of himself there, didn't he? That's right. Absolutely. But, I mean, it's, that's part of the, you know, what we love about the Crows and the Crows media. They, they have so much um, shit blowing up their ass and bias. Um, that you know they lose perspective of reality, and and obviously they they sort of went in believing their own hype and thinking they were going to win, and uh, yeah, I think and even even though Geelong were the far better side in two thousand and seven, I know we don't like to talk about it too much. No, you know even even our side back then sort of I think got sucked into the hype a little bit too much, and I, I think that was Choco's strategy to try and really boost them to to believe they could beat that fantastic Geelong side. But, uh, yeah, history shows teams that think they're top shit get knocked off by teams that just work hard. But I hear you've got a, you and Porsche need to apologise to oh. a player <clears throat> a player that played on the weekend. Indeed, Jack Graham. Like, uh, you know, obviously we did the big draft podcast last year and we, we spoke about Jack Graham at length because he was a, a potential pick around sort of where we had our... Um, draft selections and um, you know I think uh, not just us but I think a lot of people sort of thought he'd be too slow and um, mm. you know, didn't have the ball use uh, to, to maybe uh, have a big crack at AFL level especially sort of early on you know he's come in he's played what five games premiership player three goals in a grand final thank you very much <laughs> so, so we owe him a huge apology because I don't think anybody really could have seen that happening. Um, but he was great. You know, he was absolutely great. And uh, just goes to show, um, you know, you have passion, you have harness at the ball, and uh, and things go your way. Well, I think, you know, with recruiting Sam Power Pepper, maybe we didn't need another one of those type of players anyway with Atley as well. Maybe yeah. that's our, our saving grace. But I heard the interview with him on ABC yesterday and, yeah, they were saying, oh, so how many grand finals you played in now? 19-year-old, and he goes, oh, I think this might have been my seventh. And they're like, oh, how many you won? And he goes, oh, six. So he's a grand final specialist. We should have just got him from that perspective. He must be a lucky charm. Maybe. 
quite possibly. We, we've yeah. amazingly, even though we're an hour and a half late, we've still got uh, heaps of people in the Spreaker chat. Uh, Great. Pyro said, "Shit, Kenny Jenkins never gets old." That's great. Uh, Porsche says, "Be interesting to see how Graham goes when there's more than six weeks of form to break him down." And uh, Dylan has said, uh, "He kicked three in the granny. He signed him up for ten years." That's what Dylan. Yeah, happens. look, it's it's a small sample size, I know, Porsche, but we uh, we might as well go with it for now. I mean, well done to him. I'd take a, I'd be, I'd take being a five game. Uh, Premiership three goal player and never play again. I'd be, I'd, I'd take that. I haven't had a chance to look at the stats, but he's got to be one of the most inexperienced uh, grand uh, premiership players of all time. I think Aaron I, Keating's I, up there with him. Yeah, Aaron Keating's probably up there. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think he'd be pretty close. I mean, but I mean, good courage, courage by Damien Hardwick too, though. You know, I mean, I'd be oh. hard pressed to think of a Port Adelaide coach out before or since John Cale that would uh, be that courageous with a selection. We seem to be very um, conservative over the last 15 years. Oh, we know that we've um, we've obviously sort of uh, stuck fat with guys that probably haven't deserved it. And, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, couldn't, I can't really see us um, ever playing a five-game player in a grand final, to be honest. No. Um, but it just goes to show, you know, it doesn't really matter so long as you've got talent and uh, you put the effort in and... Um, yeah, you reap the uh, rewards and follow the game plan. That's right. That's right. So, do we see anyways, the Crows bouncing screw... back next year, mate? Don't really give a shit. Hope not. But uh, screw this shit. Let's talk Port Adelaide. Let's talk Port Adelaide. We're going to discuss the non Dixons, um, a whole bunch of Smalls, and uh, and Toddy Marshall as well. Uh, Are we talking any trade rumours? Uh, we got anything to add? I haven't had a chance to really see much today. Um, Outside of what we've already spoken about in previous episodes, so we might. Well, I, uh, I think Archie's come out and, and we're talking about Arch. We will. Um, we'll, he's, we'll discuss he's that a bit out, later. He's come out and said he wants to be traded. Yep, that's right. We'll discuss that a bit later. Um, uh, first player I want to talk about is Sammy Gray, um, who's 25 years old. Um, played all 23 games this year. Averaged 18 touches and kicked uh, 28 goals, 28 for the year. Um, Obviously, he's a much maligned player. Uh, lots of criticisms towards uh, Sammy, but how did you see his uh, season as a whole? Uh, I thought he got better as the season went on. Yep. And I thought towards the end of the season, um, you know, I guess a few supporters continued the bashing, and I, and I was a bit of an anti-Sam Gray person, you could sort of say, but even I could sort of be a little bit uh, objective there, and I thought his... Uh, End of season form was was reasonable, and he and he played a role. And um, but well, I did think for the first two thirds of the season he did lack a bit of composure instead of front in front of the big sticks. And yep. I'm a big believer in momentum in football. And uh, even though you can't scapegoat him for you know losses against the Crows or or Hawthorne, um, he was involved in some momentum killers, so to speak, which he probably oh, shouldn't have yeah. been. Um, so, you know, but I think as the season wore on, he really, you could sort of see in the justification and why he was picked. Um, yeah, and I, I guess I still think he's one of the, he's like a Tom Logan type player. He's a good good player and all that sort of stuff, but is he, is he the quality player that you want to carry in your team that's going to take you to a grand final? That's the question. 
I feel like Sammy Gray is, is a lot like Tom Logan in the fact that, and I, I know Ford Fairlane sort of came up with this first, is that he might do 10, 12, 15 really good things in a game, but mm-hmm. you always remember the farcical stuff up that he does because uh, it usually costs a goal. And, and Tommy Logan was famous for that. And Sammy Gray is kind of similar. I, I thought he had a, a really good year. From where he came from, um, you know, last year he was still playing as a midfielder. We know we've tried to play him up forward before and he's failed. But this year he actually played really, really well. Um, and I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, yes, there's still a lot of you know, deserved criticisms of his game. He tends to fret too much when he's got the ball. He flies for too many hangers and they never, ever come off. Um, and he is a bit of a flat-track bully as well. I know uh, us as a whole are flat-track bullies, but he's pretty much the ultimate um, but- in that regard. But then again, he kicked two goals coach. in a final. So I blame the coaches for um, him flying for hangers too often because if if they actually created a you know a a rule or a program basically saying you know we don't you know you shouldn't be doing this you should be just crumbing um, and we're going to hold you to account well then he wouldn't do it yeah right because no one's going to do something where they're going to get dropped so the fact that they keep allowing him to go for those hangers and not be positioned on the ground, um, you know, is really a, a blight on the coaches more than Sam Gray. But, um, but yeah, I mean, and I agree. It's just those those costly errors that really sort of just highlight, uh, you know, the little blips. But yeah, you know, he's making progress, and I guess he's making progress. Just, it'll he's be interesting there. to see if he. Will he be starting 22 next year? Oh, I would think so. Um, you know, it's clear that, uh, that the coaches love him. Um, they find him useful in the side. And I do agree. I think, um, you know, his, his link-up plays really, really well. He, did, he has sort of grown to get used to playing that high half-forward sort of small role. And he has been hitting the scoreboard. As I said, he's almost there. And just another 10%, and he's going to be a really, really valuable footballer. Can he get that extra 10%? I'm not 100% sure. But he is pretty, pretty close to uh, to getting there, I reckon. Awesome. Good next old player. Sammy. Good old Sammy. Uh, next player, Jakey Need, who is uh, 23 years old, played just the seven games this year, averaged 15 disposal, kicked uh, six goals, one, and averaged four tackles a game. Also played 12 SANFL games and kicked 13 goals. Um he was a no-show up until uh, pretty late in the season and um, uh, sort of came back into the side in round 21 and I thought his last three or four games were, uh, were actually pretty good. Yeah, I was happy with Jake. He's a bit of, he's becoming a bit of a final specialist, isn't he? He is, yeah. Just... He, he did have a pretty good, uh, pretty good game against West Coast. He was super valuable against the Dogs, had a really good game against Gold Coast and against Collingwood as well. Um, but again, it's, it's just that consistency. Like he's, you know, one week he looks really good, the next week he's just absolutely nowhere near it. And um, I guess the big question is, um, will he ever grow that uh, sort of consistent side to his game? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I think he's one of those guys where, <coughs> excuse me, we have to draft and recruit to force him out of the side, and then uh, and then once sort of a player like Jake is forced out of the side, well, we know we're, uh, we're getting a stronger side. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, obviously, he's contracted for next year, so he'll be here next year. Can he become a 
20 game player. Um, I don't really see it happening for Jake. Um, I do like him. Like he, he tries his heart out. Uh, he's a hard tackler, but he just needs to hit the scoreboard more. If he's going to play that sort of small forward role, um, you know, he really needs to sort of average one and a half goals a game as opposed to, you know, zero point six or whatever. I would have. I would think that he should be like zero to ten games next year. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But then, so like this, as like we say, this it's up to some other place to sort of kick him out of the side as well. You know, you only get in uh, generally with form, with, with Jakey Need. Um, and it's up to other players, guys like Aidan Johnson, who we'll talk about in a minute, to, to try and kick him out. Yeah, well, we're still probably a bit short, you know, with small crummers, aren't we? So, um, you know, you could talk about a Palmer and stuff like that, but they're not really like-for-like sort of players, so... Yeah. Um, you know, but I guess if we look at that Ryan kid this year, that that might put a bit of pressure on Jake's position. Quite possibly, yep. Um, let's move on and talk about Robbie Gray. Obviously, the superstar, 29 years old, uh, played all 23 games this year, kicked 47 goals, averaged 19 touches and three clearances a game, um, made the All-Australian team for the third time, and you would say he should be pretty much a favourite to win yet another best and fairest. And didn't he, he got All-Australian with an injured groin? He did, yes. There, there's no doubt that he was playing injured for half the season and still was able to uh, to impact quite a lot. Um, you know, he obviously kicked six goals pretty early on against Frio, um, kicked five against Carlton, four against Brisbane in the first half of the year. Uh, kicked five in a great display against Collingwood at, um, at the MCG and uh, had a really, really good end to the season as well. Um, had a pretty good final against West Coast. Picked up 30 touches. Uh, look, everyone loves Robbie Gray. Let's face it. You know he's one of the most exciting players in the league. Uh, he can do everything. Can play anywhere. And uh, you know I expect that to continue on next year. Do you think he'll be back more full time mid next year? Uh, if his injury, if he's over his injury, depends. I think it depends if we get Motlop or not. If, if we get Stephen Motlop, then I can certainly see him uh, spending more time through the midfield and uh, and Mott's playing sort of more across half-forward. Um, again, it's up to some other players to, to find the form to sort of, um, you know, warrant spending a, a lot more time up forward. Mm-hmm. But then again, we know how dangerous he can be. He kicked 47 goals this year, um, you know, with about, what, 65% game time up forward. Um you know, he's you super dangerous. Any, um... oh, I'm happy for him to to keep playing sort of fifty fifty like he's done the last sort of few years. So, I don't know. Have you heard any Motlop or um, Robbie Gray, um, Tom Rockliffe gossip? Well, uh, apparently um, Motlop toured the Gold Coast facilities um, in the last couple of days. So th- there is a chance that uh, he might be. Um, that he might be moving up there instead. Mm. Well, it makes with, sense. With the Ablett deal. Mm. If you're moving and you want money, you're going to go for the highest bidder, right? That's it. Uh, mm. Bevan in the uh, Spreaker Chatter said, is Rick working in a kitchen? I'm not sure, but I am. Um... I am I am actually in the kitchen. <laughs> I um, I was putting some glasses and stuff away, I thought, and I'm folding clothes and... Drinking a cup of tea, and then I was, I was a bit hungry, as Mecca knows, and 
there was no sweet treat, so I was um, raiding a little bit of honey with a teaspoon. Can you go 10 minutes without eating? Do, do you <sighs> eat Mate. on 10 minute intervals all day? Mate, I am. Um... I'm a hungry boy. I'm, I'm in my full triathlon mode now. It's a, only three weeks away. And uh, so I am, I do get a bit ravenous at times. There we go. Uh, next player, Todd Marshall. Um, obviously, the uh, the young gun forward played uh, three games. He's only 18 years old. Um, averaged eight touches, three marks, and one goal a game. Played the 16 games in the SANFL for 23 goals. Um Look, I was pretty surprised to see him debut this year. I wasn't expecting it at all. I thought we'd just leave him in the SANFL for good. But obviously, uh, with the lack of form from Trengove and, and needing another forward up there, we decided to give him a crack. And um, I thought he held his own. Do you? I do. He held his in own? The, uh, I, yeah. In the first couple of games, I thought he was... Oh, I guess the dogs, I thought he was pretty good. I thought he had uh, glimpses of magic in the uh, in the final, in between getting absolutely hammered by McGovern. Um, but look, let's let's look at the positives. And you know, I thought he had uh, he had three or four really crucial touches in that game, which led to goals, which I thought was great for a young such a young player. And um, you know, big hopes on Todd Marshall. Obviously, um, he is the future. Can he uh, follow the same path of? Uh, of the uh, the previous future, or is he going to be a bit better? Well, I did like his ability to time his run at the ball when he did get the opportunity, yeah. and um, his jump at the ball. So I think I think he was really really raw, and which is stating the obvious. Yeah. And um, look, I think he was probably lucky to get selected, but as we all discussed. The coaches obviously went down a new pathway four games out from the season. And he was the benefactor. And I think what I loved, pardon me, is what you're saying, a bit like Butch, the optimism that he brought to us. Because it was becoming a bit same old, same same old, wasn't it? So yeah, bringing in, bringing in him and the few other young guys at least gave us some enthusiasm to go, okay, well, we can see where we're going here with a bit of future direction. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the club commit to him uh, next year and play him from the beginning, as long as he's not injured, and uh, what he can deliver with a bit of a bigger body and uh, being able to hold his own a little bit more. Yeah, look, he needs to put on another five or six kilos. Um, you, you don't really want to use uh, lose his pace and agility, though. Um, mm. And look, that's that's something that he's got going for him, which will hold him in really good stead. Is that he's he's super quick. He's got a great contested mark, and he chases like a hound dog. So uh, I'm really happy about that. Um, I think he's going to be in for a pretty decent year next year. I, I don't think he's going to have a real breakout. You know, oh my god, he's he's incredible sort of season. I think uh, if he have, have if he can kick thirty goals next year, I'd be pretty happy. I reckon. Yeah, that's an. Mate, if he can get a goal a game, I think that's that's a good start. Yeah. So if he can get thirty, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's almost going to be a goal and a half a game for him, I'd imagine. That's a that's a real win. Yeah. Sky's the limit, I think, with him, and um, look, that's why I'm pretty excited about us chasing Jack Watts as well, because I think he's going to be crucial for Todd Marshall's development, allowing him um, to sort of uh, you know Jack Watts is going to take a lot of pressure off Todd Marshall having to perform each and every week. Uh, and he can just sort of go about, do his thing, and, and kick a, a bunch of goals, hopefully. 
I hope Trade Week's not a real fizzer and we miss out on all these players that we're potentially linked to. Well, it would be pretty disastrous if we did, but um, yeah, anyway. Uh, next player, Aidan Johnson, uh, 19 years old, second season on the list. Played the five games um, for nine touches, three marks, also kicked two goals. And uh, played 11 SANFL games for 15 goals. Um, he was injured for a lot of last year, so we didn't really get to see a, a whole lot of him. Um, look, he, he came in and, and did a bit of a job uh, for a few games this year. I liked Aiden. I thought he contributed, and I thought he was lucky to bow out, actually. Um, I was hoping they would have held a bit, bit of courage and kept him in the side, um, but they didn't. But, yeah, OK, he didn't get a lot of ball, but I thought he showed a bit of run and carry, and... Uh, and I thought he showed a bit of aggression at the person with the ball. So I think there's a bit of optimism there. Yeah, certainly for me as well. I hope he signs a new contract. That'd be great. Um, obviously, he came in, in uh, pretty early uh, in the season against Carlton. He was the last-minute ex- uh, inclusion for an injured Hamish Hartlett. Kicked a couple of goals in that game. Then we saw him late in the season as well. And... Um, <coughs> Excuse me. Even though he didn't do a whole lot, there was always sort of two or three things which made me go, "Wow, that was great!" Um, in each game that he played. Yeah, and I, look, I think there's enough. He's shown us enough, um, yeah, to really persist with him. And he might, it might be tough for him to be in the starting twenty-two next year, but yeah, you know, he'll. I think he'll have the same opportunities like this year, and you know get a half a dozen games and, and really show something to try and hold the spot on the side. Look, I, I really want to see him have a massive pre-season, um, get himself super fit uh, so he can use that extreme pace and, and agility to his advantage, like him running sort of down the wing and, and up forward, um, you know, would, would be fantastic. And he's exactly the sort of player that should be kind of pushing someone like Jake Need out of the side long term. Because uh, I think he's got a lot more tricks, um, and, and the potential um, payoff is a lot higher. Uh, so yeah, super oh, keen wow. to see what he can do in the future. Could he do a Dan Houston and skyrocket? Uh, potentially, yeah, absolutely, he can. I, th- I think he's got the talent. Uh, he's got the um, athletic side to his game. Uh, it's just about putting all the pieces together and uh, and keeping fit. I think. Yeah. Mm. Uh, next player, Chad Wingard, obviously uh, a gun, 24 years old, 19 games, kicked 24 goals, averaged 22 disposals, 4 marks, 5 inside 50s and 3 clearances. Um, PJ Power has asked, um, or he has stated that he would love a detailed di- dissection of Chad's form as a forward versus midfielder. You're breaking in and out, Macca, or is it me? Might be you, mate. I don't know. I'll try now. Okay. Okay. Did you, did you hear going. my question? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, PJ Power would love a detailed discussion of uh, Chad's form as a forward versus midfielder. Um, well, I think the problem... Well, I don't know the stats, so I'm just going on my observations. But I think as a midfielder, to me, he seems to be a, less, a lot less ineffectual or a, le- a lot less impactful, maybe is the better word, so he seems to rack up a lot of possessions, but it seems to be in a sort of nothing accumulator role, so to speak. And I, I guess my gut instinct is, I don't think in those games he really even polled that well in the Brownlow, did he? Where he, he had high possession games. Um, 
Whereas I, I feel like we get more bang for buck with Chad as a 20-possession multiple goal forward than what we do as a midfielder. Yeah, potentially. Look, I think he's going to be an absolute superstar midfielder next year. I, I want to see him play mostly as a midfielder next year. I, I think he's almost there in terms of being you know, Brownlow standard uh, as a midfielder because he wins a lot of clearances. He gets the ball on the outside. He can pick up huge numbers on the ball and he can still kick goals from the midfield. And that screams all-Australian Brownlow sort of level. Absolutely, I think, and he, he has to be an attacking midfielder. You, you know, I mean, there's there's no ifs and buts about it. Um, I think one game during the year, I can't remember the game, we had him as a tagger for a quarter or something, which doesn't hurt to to teach him a you know a bit of a lesson and that sort of stuff. And and there's no doubt, even though what I, my comments are, they're just based on you know what I've seen from the past and this year. But I agree with you. I think longer term, um, you know, we could really uh, get him as a, a superstar midfielder and you know it'd be great to have a, a Brownlow medalist in our own right and he's probably one that's potentially able to uh, to do it and uh, yeah it's just we just got to get that structure right and have him as an attacking weapon in the midfield all the time yeah no doubt um, where do you see him sort of uh, playing next year do you think well, it's hard to say, Macca. Um, yeah, I guess it depends really if we get Rockcliffe, but you would think, you know, we've made the Chad commit to the extra training and the workload to be a midfielder, so I sort of have to go with what you're saying, which is, um, you know, you'd think he'd have to continue morphing into, uh, you know, maybe a 75-25 midfield forward. Yeah, I would, uh, I would like to see him play mostly as a midfielder next year. Um, I think he's going to be super damaging in that sort of role. Um, and look, if if we can get someone like Aidan Johnson coming in and, and performing, um, then it's going to allow us to have someone like Chad Wingard playing uh, closer um, to the midfield and, and getting all those clearances, which he uh, which he certainly did for a lot this year. Um, he only so picked risk, up the four the Brownlow votes this year. He picked up best on ground against North Melbourne where he kicked three goals in the first quarter, had 30 touches, and he, and he picked up a Brownlow vote against um, Richmond when he picked up 39 touches and had 14 of the worst inside 50s you've ever seen. I mean, the risk for us is that at the moment, we only, in the big games, we really relied on Robbie Gray to get into the middle to get us into the clearance factor in the big games against the better sides. Um, you know, so that's the risk, because you'd think if Chad's in the middle, they'll probably play Robbie forward again, yeah. I would assume. Um, I don't know if they'll line up with Robbie and Chad both in the middle too often, um, because I, I'd imagine they're not going to be accountable midfielders, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, we need we need we definitely need uh, Chad being... Uh, effectual in the midfield against those higher-end quality sides like Robbie Gray does. Yeah, for sure. Um, Last player is uh, Brendan Archie, who's uh, 23 years old, played five games, kicked seven goals, um, averaged 16 touches and three inside 50s, and he also played 15 SANFL goals, uh, SANFL games, sorry, where he kicked uh, 13 goals, um, picked up 22 touches and five clearances a game, also finished second in the uh, McGarry medal. Um, and as you said at the start of the show, mate, he's um, looks like he's requested a trade. Yeah, well, last year he wanted to stay and be loyal um, to the club, 
but I'm not convinced the club was maybe completely loyal to him as an AFL player. Mm. Um, and I know we've spoken about it and, and you sort of disagree a little bit, but I think he was sort of scapegoated after the Essendon game. And he had, I don't know if it's his endurance, that's the problem, but, you know, he had minimal time on ground and still, you know, he still had nine disposals and, you know, kicked a goal or something. And, you know, he wasn't our worst player for the 50% time on ground that he had. But for some reason, he was shunted. And I don't know if it was from an unaccountability perspective, but I feel, and I agree with the posters on the board who were saying, you know, it's sort of a bad deal for us to be punting a guy, um, you know, who's got real no value, but there's a lot of potential upside. I won't put superstar up there, but a lot of upside. So we've got more to lose and we have to gain by trading him out. But at the same time, if we're not going to play him, and there's a potential for him to play somewhere else and get, you know, regular first-team football. That's what he needs, and I guess I don't begrudge him in going. And, look, I really hope he's, you know, one of the rare players that moves and actually bites us on the bum because it doesn't happen too often with our our choices of players that we let go. But he's such a... You're right. You know, he's, been, he's been on this show too, you know, a few he times. He has a few times, a, yeah. He's a great guy. He's an articulate guy. He's a smart fella. And, uh, yeah, I just I hope that he can still carve out another, you know, five to eight years AFL career and, and get those games so Porsche has to pay me the tea. Yeah. Oh, look, no doubt. Um, look, I'm on the fence with Brendan. I'm, like, I love his positive traits. I just don't think he does enough at AFL level. Um, he, again, like he's so similar to quite a few players that we've spoken about tonight. He's almost there. Like he's not far away from being a real consistent AFL player, but it's just the odd game or the odd sort of quarter or half here or there which really lets him down where he has zero impact and looks like he's sort of running through treacle sort of thing. And you can't really afford that. I think he's going to be a low-risk, high-reward sort of player for someone. Um, you know, West Coast are apparently after him. They've just lost Prittis and they've just lost Mitchell as well. So, look, there's a spot there... Uh, in their midfield, um, which would be perfect for someone like Brendan Archie, really. Um, can he come and bite us on the butt? Yeah, I think he can. I, I absolutely think think he can. Um, and as you said, you know, he's been a supporter of us on Port Fan Radio. He's a bit, he's been a, a former player sponsor um, on Big Footy as well. So you know, we've had a lot to do with him, and um, yeah, it'll be sad to see him go. Yeah. But yeah, he's got, he's got AFL footballers want to play AFL football, so uh, yeah. And I, I don't. If we get Rockley, for example, where's he? Where's he going to play? Um, you know, I mean, he could, it's probably a spot. There's probably a spot in the forward line for him if he wanted to take it. But I, I guess the the, tri- the forward trajectory for Brendan is he's even been inconsistent at SANFL level until this year, yeah. and this year he's really been able to get um, that going. Um, so, so yeah, I think we really, um, yeah, I think maybe he's just one of those slow learners. You know, there's some players that just take a lot longer to develop than others. And oh, he was always well, a long-term prospect, uh, and we knew it was going to take a few years. And look, he's obviously played quite a few good games uh, for us over the last few years since he debuted in 2015. Um, but he just hasn't been able to put it all together. Um, you know, on a consistent basis, and, and that's what's really sort of hurt him and, and hurt um, him from having more chance of playing regular AFL footy. And 
hopefully, if he can move to to a different club, it'll um, you know it'll work out for him. And yeah, look, I, I certainly won't be saying anything critical of him, and, and wish him all the best. No, and it will hurt. It will, I'll cry. My eyes will be bleeding if he if he's doing some thirty meter handballs on the on the run to the opposition players and uh, against us. I'll uh, I'll be very sad. I'll be shedding a tear. That's it. Uh, just to finish off the evening, we've got a few questions. Uh, first one from Eddie Dingle, which is uh, how funny was Saturday? Yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, I try to be respectful. I've got a lot of friends and clients that are Crows supporters. So, But uh, for all those Crows supporters that like to take the piss out of me, it was hilariously funny. It was, uh, it was quite amusing, mainly because I, I was just completely resigned to the fact that they were going to win the flag. Oh, I didn't think Richmond were a chance at all. and um, To see them play the, the way that they did and Adelaide play the way that they did was um, quite shocking. Yeah, they panicked. They did. Uh, it'll be, be re- and, and to answer your question from earlier, it'll be really interesting to see how they rebound from this next year. Yep. Uh, Peck has asked, how did you rate Martin's year? Dustin Martin? Yep. No, Ray Martin, oh. right? Is he still going? No. <laughs> oh. Well, there's a few Martins in there. Around the competition, I don't know. And there's no Martin that plays for Port Adelaide. I don't know. I don't, I don't really give a shit. Martin doesn't play for us, but won the Brownlow, won the Norm Smith, and won the Grand Final. I think the first player in history to do get the trifecta. Yeah. Um, he must be, uh, and he re-signed with Richmond. So, you know, and I don't know. I guess I saw a side to Martin, which made me think, well, maybe he's not the peanut that you know he gets made out to be a little bit. But I don't know. Oh, it's certainly up there with the best seasons of all time. Um, there's no doubt about that. It's averaged well over 30 touches a game, kick well over a goal a game, and do what he's done all year on a consistent basis is uh, is crazy. Um, you know, we pretty well haven't seen anything like that for a long, long time. Uh, obviously, Gary Ablett had a, a few really, really good seasons uh, way back when, probably about uh, a decade ago now. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like even... Even he sometimes didn't have the sort of power and, and output that uh, that Dusty has. Well, it's a big call. I don't know. Gary, Gary used to do the fend-offs and burst away from the pack as well. Mm. Um, well, end of the day, they're just great players, and we don't have either of them, so it's a bit of a bummer. <laughs> it's a shame. Edgy <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, has asked, is there an ocean or a river between Arsmoles and Richmond's, or is it still mindset and game plan? Between what? Our smalls and Richmond's. Oh, I thought you said assholes. No, not assholes. <laughs> our smalls. Um, well, I would suggest it's a lot of game plan. I mean, I've been very cynical on our coaches for since 2015, as you've heard me repeatedly. So, um, you know, and I, I'll, I'll say it again. I mean, you look at it. We we played very well in 13 and 14 when we weren't expected to, and. Yeah, we had some very astute coaches with us who who no longer are with us or alive, and um, you know, and their replacements haven't been as strong, and because they're a lot of the same players that played in those very strong seasons are still with us, but they're not as strong. So uh, I think, and you, then you look at Damien Hardwick, thirteenth last year, and almost borderline sacked, and now a grand final coach. And what do they do? They change the assistants, change their structure a little bit. 
um, change, tweak their game plan, and uh, and look at the difference. They found a system that worked for them, and uh, and it paid off after years of trying. Um, they really sort of uh, shook things up a little bit and um, won the premiership because of it. I don't I don't think there's a huge amount between our smalls and Richmond's. Um, certainly not on paper. I mean. You know, we've just seen guys like Jacob Townsend and uh, and Jack Graham become premiership players. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we're pretty comparable to them. Um, you know, we, we've just got to find a system that really works for us. I think that's the problem. And that's, that's what's disappointed me, I guess, with Ken a little bit. He had a pretty good system. And, yeah, okay, maybe it was, a, it was worked out a fraction, but I don't think he needed a system overhaul. I think he just need to do a few tweaks, whereas he sort of panicked and has done a system overhaul um, to his game plan. But I guess now the game sort of morphed again. So, God, I'm, I don't know what to expect for next year. Hopefully a premiership. That would be great. Well, if we can get the free agents that we're looking at, I think that definitely will uh, help. Because, I mean, look, we, were a mid, we, were a th- we said during the year we were a 30-possession midfielder short in the midfield, right? So Rockcliffe would answer that question. Um, we're probably, uh, you know, we were a forward short. So Motlock would answer that dilemma. And even Watts, as we've spoken about last week, would provide that leading sort of forward target. Uh, but I'm not going to get my hopes up until uh, deals are done. Yeah, that's fair enough. Right, that is it for this evening. Um, Easy. Mate, thanks for coming on. Thanks to everyone that uh, tuned you. in and listened live, even though it was uh, very, very late. Um, yes. Actually, we've got Apology. one last question from Porsche on the Spreaky Chat. Who's the last Port yes. midfielder we've had as good as Martin, AFL or SANFL? Jeez. It's a tough one. As, as good as Martin? I mean, Rob, Robbie Gray would be up there. Um, nah. Not, not, nah, I wouldn't say so. Oh, look, Robbie's 2014 was uh, pretty bloody good, mate. Yeah, but... I mean, look, if people are calling this the greatest individual season of all time, then the answer's probably no one, isn't it? Oh, no, you'd have to, I'd have to go to probably like a Russell Ebert. Well, obviously, yeah, Russell was uh, in a world of his own. And look, I think, yeah. uh, obviously, I was uh, born a bit too late to really appreciate Russell Ebert and, uh, and see pretty much any of his games. Um, but they come across as uh, pretty similar players, uh, Dusty and... Yeah, well, Russell. he was... yeah. Russell was strong. I mean, I was just on the borderline of appreciating football. So I saw Russell in his twilight years. But, you know, he was strong. He was an impact player. Obviously, I'm stating the obvious here. I know that all the long-term support supporters had, um, you know, great ability to, you know, kick long, use, use his skills, handballing, as we all know, trademark over-the-head handball. Um, you know, one of the greats of the SANFL. He'd probably be the closest. I mean... Because even Roger James wasn't like that explosive type of player. Robbie Gray, to me, isn't that explosive type of player. Maybe if Sean Burgoyne stayed with us, maybe Sean Burgoyne. He was explosive in the midfield in 2008. Um, you know, but there was, no, there was no longevity there and there was no way that he was as good as um, Dusty, but it could have been maybe. That is it. All right. Until next time, mate. Yeah, sorry about the time typo too, folks. Apologise. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Creatures of habit, but I guess 
we're in the off season now, so there might be a little bit of inconsistency with us with with life and business um, and all that sort of jazz. So uh, mm. you just have to bear with us. That's it. All right. Until next time, come the pair. Ciao, ciao. Punched away by Michael at ground level. Here's a chance for Stevens. Stevens goes high and long towards the goal square. Do it to Bergwijn. Almost brought it down. Here's James. He's had a marvellous game. He puts him in front. Brilliant goal. What a classic. Roger James gets his second.